Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Kalamazoo, Michigan campus. For more info on the church, visit newdaycommunity.org. Yeah, Woo! glory, hallelujah. All right, I'm Pastor Cameron, God bless you. Um, I just uh, wanted to, to pray especially for the moms and, and all, all women actually because they all uh, represent uh, motherhood. And a couple of things in Genesis, I'm going to actually read this. Uh, in the creation story, it's a, this is a, just an incredible little verse here. It says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And it's just a kind of an interesting twist of uh, terms because he's speaking in the singular, but then he switches it to the plural. And what we know, and if you study this thoroughly, is that uh, before the fall, man, the word man referred to male and female, re- referred to the, the Adam and Eve. She wasn't called Eve until after the fall. And so in the beginning, in, 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 in the purity of creation, um, what represents God, what reflects the image of God is not masculinity, is not the male aspect, nor is it separately the female aspect, but the, the both combined. And so, uh, women, you represent an equal amount of the image of God as males do, all right? And, and in our worldview, and even in the church, unfortunately, uh, the church often uh, diminishes the significance of women's uh, role in representing the image of God. But you are an image bearer of God. And in some ways, I think almost more so than men, because it's through your bodies that, you know, Every one of us was formed, right, and 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 birthed, and so God as Creator, you you really play a role in representing uh, the Creator God, the Giver of life. And the other thing, just to mention, is in the New Testament, Paul refers to the Jerusalem from above, uh, who is free. The Jerusalem from above is free, and is the mother of us all. And in the context, it's in the book of Galatians, but it's, he's referring to the new covenant in Christ. He's referring that, that reference, the Jerusalem from above, is a reference to the church. And in other places, the church is called the bride of Christ. So here, in another incredibly powerful way, womanhood represents such an uh, absolutely significant portion of Christianity, of our relationship with God and God itself. And so you have such significance. And we just want to honor you. I want to honor you uh, if you've born children naturally, you've uh, given of your life to birth children, and that's powerful. And we know how much responsibility that, that carries. But if, if you're yet to have uh, children, if, you're, if you have yet to bear children, or for whatever reason you... Uh, uh, are in a stage of life where you haven't born children, we still see you as a as a reflection of God's character, and you carry um, this essential aspect of of motherhood. Whether you've born natural children or not, you have that influence. And so, we just want to pray a blessing over you. If, if all adult women would stand, uh, women, uh, and we just want to pray for you. So, uh, guys, join with me. <clears throat> I'll just stretch out your hand to the women nearest you or your wife, She's, if you're with your wife. Lord, we just pray blessing. We thank you most of all, Lord, for the, the wonder of, of this creation, Lord. Adam was alone, and you said, this isn't good. 
and he needs a woman. <laughs> and, and God, as a man, I say, Amen! And so we thank you for women. We thank you for this reflection of your nature. We thank you for the, the motherhood aspect that, that women, all women bring. And, and so, it's so vital, so, so enriching. And we bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you may be seated, and we have just a gift, little gift for you uh, on the table by the welcome banner. There is nice quality lint chocolate, and there's assorted varieties, and uh, my wife likes the, the chili variety, the chili and the orange, because she's hot and a little fruity. <laughs> 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 Speaking of my wife, we, we did ask for your prayers last week. Was it last week here? Two weeks ago here, last week in uh, Vandalia, and the um, the uh, the she had further tests, and the tests were the the tumor. It was I. It looked about half the size to me. It was significantly reduced, and there was absolutely no uh, activity. Yeah, completely. The doctor says it's basically nothing. You don't have to worry about it. We do have to have a follow-up test in six months. So praise God. Hey. Yeah. All right. Marilee. Marilee is, um, it's Mother's Day. We're having mothers preach at both Vandalia and, and Nichols Road here. But Marilee, come on up. She's going to share the message today on carrying the presence of God as we launch this month's series on presence of God. Are we good? Awesome. Well, good morning, everybody. I am so excited to talk about the presence of God. I love the presence of God, as I'm sure many, most of you do. And so... I'm thrilled to, to share with you some of the things that God's been talking to me about this. Um, last week, Kathy spoke on encountering God's presence, and it was awesome. And we're going to continue this week with, with more on carrying His presence. And I'm so glad that we are talking about um, the presence of God for a whole month. Because the presence of God is so... Um, central and so integral to our existence. It's where we came from in the garden. Adam and Eve started in the presence. And it's where we're going. We're going to spend eternity. As believers, we're going to spend eternity in his presence. So I just feel like the more we can learn about it, the more we can get comfortable in it, um, the closer we can get to his presence, the better, you know, the more prepared we'll be for our destiny in eternity. And um, living uh, heaven on earth now, the yeah. more we encounter his presence. And so uh, my prayer this morning is that each of you would be touched. Um, I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just flow through me, that the words would be anointed, and that um, each one of you would receive something um, individual just for your heart and where you're at. Um, we are a presence-based church, and that means we care about what God wants to do. We give space for the Holy Spirit. Carrie, you know, gave a beautiful example of that in leading worship this morning. We have a plan from God ahead of time, and in the midst of a service or a worship set, we want to know, God, what do you want to do right now? We make room for the Holy Spirit. We uh, listen to his voice because he is speaking, and uh, we can learn how to tune into his voice and listen to him and be close with him. Um, <clears throat> so I think this is really cool, that God dwells among us. Right. He is in our midst. 
He saturates the room. The Bible says he inhabits the praise of his people. And where two or more are gathered, there he is in the midst of them. Right. So, in, so he's just surrounding us. And God dwells in us. So he is inside of us. We are carriers of his presence. Um, it says in 1 Corinthians 6.19, um, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, whom you received from God? And so it's such a picture of unity that, that we are in the presence of God and God is in us. Yeah. I just love that. Um, so in the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant, God's presence resided with the Ark of the Covenant. Um, the Ark is a picture for us of how God interacts with us. So the story that we're going to delve into in a minute has to do with, with the Ark. Um, so in Exodus 37, it talks about the ark. Wow, the, the presence of God resided with this. That's amazing. It was about four feet by two feet by two feet, covered in gold. And at the base of, of the ark were four rings, and there were poles that would slide through the rings, also covered in gold. And the chest, if it needed to be moved, was meant to be carried on the shoulders of the priests who were Levites. And, um, and you know, God has always desired closeness with us. And so he wanted his presence to be right there with the Israelites. But because of his holiness, um, for us to be that, for them to be that close, there were a lot of rules and regulations and very um, strict, you know, things that they needed to follow right. to be, to safely interact that close with the presence of God. Um, God gave lots of warnings as well. If they didn't, you know, wear these certain things, they certainly could not ever touch the ark. Um, certain sacrifices had to be made and preparations and it was a very big deal. But it was worth it because God wanted that closeness with them and the people, many of them wanted that closeness with God. Um, so under the Old Covenant, the Holy Spirit filled some people then. He desired to fill all people. Um, God's desire is that we all would be priests. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In Exodus 19.6, um, it says, God, tell, God tells the Israelites, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Um, and then under the new covenant, okay, so under the new covenant, God's presence resides in believers. And this is super exciting to be in the new covenant, right? He resides in us. Um, we're all anointed to be priests. Each Christian is a priest. Each, each Christian can carry the presence. We're a chosen people in a holy nation. It says in 1 Peter 2, 9, that you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, 
that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Hallelujah. Wow, that's you. That's us. That's amazing. So you see, the moment Jesus died on the cross, um, the curtain that surrounded the Ark of the Covenant in the temple um, tore top to bottom. So that um, shows us that God's presence is available to all now because of what Jesus did on the cross. He paid that sacrifice for us, allowing all of us access to the presence of God. We can all carry his presence. Um, So we are going to look at a story from the life of King David having to do with carrying God's presence. Um, He was... It's about carrying the Ark of the Covenant. And so we can learn um, from what he experienced. We can apply some things to our lives from what he went through. So just a little background first. Um, David loved the presence of God. As a boy, he was a shepherd and he would just praise and worship God and play his harp in the field day after day. He um, really developed a closeness with the presence of God and loved the presence of God. Um, He wrote songs, and um, that was just David's base, where where he came from. And he knew God was good. He knew that um, God poured out blessing onto those who are close to him. You know, he knew that being close to his presence meant meant he was setting himself up to receive blessing. So our story begins when David is um, first king of Israel. So this story um, is found two places in the Bible. It's in 1 Chronicles and 2 Samuel. And um, so Saul, who is the first king of Israel, Saul dies. And so the elders of Israel come to find David. He's in Hebron. And um, they anoint him to be the next king, just as God had commanded through Samuel for them to do. And so, um, you know, David's beginning being a king, and he has a close relationship with God. But he's like, I want the Ark of the Covenant where I am. He's going to move from Hebron to, the, to Jerusalem, the city of David. And he doesn't want to go there without the ark. See, the ark had been forgotten during the days of Saul, and David wants to bring that back. And so um, everyone agreed, hey, that's a great idea. Let's do that, David. So David and all of Israel and all the soldiers, they go um, to Judah, where where the ark was, to bring it to the city of David. Um, so they've got this huge procession planned. Imagine, all the, the Bible says all the Israelites and all the soldiers, like that is a huge parade. Um, they're, they're singing, they're worshiping, they've got every kind of instrument, they're dancing. And um, David's heart is just in a great place, isn't it? He just wants the presence of God. And um, so they get to where it is, it's, it's at the house of Abinadab. 
They, they move it onto a brand new cart pulled by oxen. And Abinadab's sons were driving the cart. One of his sons, Uzzah, was um, next to the cart, walking along next to it. And, and along they go, David and all of Israel, worshiping exuberantly before the Lord as they carry the, the ark. Um, and then at one point along the way, the oxen stumble. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's tipping, and the ark is going. And Uzzah grabs it so that it wouldn't fall, right? Well, um, God blazed in anger against Uzzah and struck him hard because he profaned the chest. Uzzah died on the spot in the presence of God. Wow, that was not what David was expecting. (laughs) That really caught him off guard, I'm sure. So the Bible says in 1 Chronicles 13, 11 through 13, then David was angry because the Lord's wrath had broken out against Uzzah. And David was afraid of God that day and asked, how can I ever bring the ark of God to me? He felt hopeless. And he did not take the ark to be with him in the, in the city of David. He left the presence. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. It was stored there. And, um, and while it was stored there, um, everything in good old Obed-Edom's house, his entire household, prospered because the presence of God was there. And um, I just think that some of you might be able to relate with David. You know, uh, maybe not all of you had a friend die in the process of pursuing God, but (laughs) maybe you have. Um, But have you ever been hurt in the process of doing something for God? You know, your heart was in the right place, and then something goes terribly wrong. Like uh, maybe something you were counting on happening doesn't happen. Or maybe um, someone breaks a promise and breaks your heart. Maybe God doesn't act the way that you expected that he would act. Maybe you face a major disappointment that just leaves you confused and hurt. And as a result, maybe like David, you backed away from his presence, backed away from that level of intimacy that you were once functioning in. Maybe. And if that's you, we can learn some things um, from the rest of this story. So, what I like um, about this story is is when David does go back and and leaves the ark, the Bible tells us some things that happened in the meantime. Um, Because when something happens that kind of we weren't expecting that leaves us confused. We have this processing time, don't we? Where we're like, what just happened? And oh my goodness. And, you know, David, I can tell from later that he studied the scriptures and he, you know, was like, okay, God, what did I miss here? He learned about how to handle God's presence properly. And, um, He's just working it out and growing from, from, this, from this horrible thing that happened. 
Um, the Bible tells us during the three months while the ark was, was um, not with him, God um, really establishes and confirms David as king over Israel. He raises his reputation, all um, like miraculous things line up in that three-month time that just really um, confirm him as the king. Um, God gives the Israelites victory over the Philistines twice. So it's not that God's not on David's side anymore. And in both times, the Philistines are attacking, the are going to attack the Israelites. And David prays and seeks God, God, what should we do? And God answers with specific instructions of how to strategize the, the battle plan. And both times, David follows exactly as God commands, and the victory is won. And David is just so happy. You know, he's just rejoicing over this. So powerful. Um, and so, so uh, David has learned some things. He's, he's worked, worked it out with God. And he decides, you know what, the blessing from being close to God's presence, you know, Obed-Edom's household is receiving that. And, and I want that. I want that closeness with you, God. I knew it was good to want that from the beginning, and I, and I still want it. And so I'm going to go back. So David goes back. But before, wait, before he goes back, he... Um, he clears. A, he prepares a place for the ark. He clears a place for it. Pitches a tent there in in the city of David, and um, he's doing some things differently this time. Mm -hmm. um, he says, "No one carries the ark except the Levites. God designated them and only them to carry it." And again, he he calls everyone to assemble. And go get the ark, and still it's a huge entourage and parade and huge worship service with all kinds of instruments. Um, he has the Levites consecrate themselves, and he's just doing everything right. And it says in First Chronicles fifteen thirteen, the first David says this: the first time we did this, meaning going to get the ark, you Levites did not carry it properly, and God exploded in anger at us because we didn't make proper preparations. And we didn't follow instructions. And so David went three months prior in the verse above there from feeling confused. How could I ever bring this here? How will this ever work out? Angry and just leaving it there to three months later now knowing and saying, well, we didn't make proper preparations and we didn't follow instructions. Um, you see, God is a good father. And he gives warnings and he gives us instructions of how to live life and how to do things. And sometimes, you know, we don't follow him exactly. And Uzzah died not because God isn't good. Right. He died because they weren't doing it right. Yeah. They weren't following the instructions God had laid out for them. The people weren't bearing his presence. Yes. Animals were. Come on. How offensive. <laughs> to God and to the Israelites, you know. Right. God, God wouldn't compromise. Only right. people can carry my presence. Uh. Um, so it wasn't a punishment. Right. It was a consequence for doing it wrong. Yeah. So um, David goes back. 
and, and gets it. And this time, the Levites carry it exactly as God commanded, um, with poles on their shoulders, careful not to touch it with their hands. And um, they're rejoicing. They pause and they, they sacrifice bulls and rams. And, and so this is part of it now. They're all dressed in linen, which is what they were supposed to do as well. And David dances with great abandon before the Lord. And on they come, shouting and cheering. And so David learned how to carry God's presence in the proper way. He learned from the consequence. And he came back. And he carried God's presence again. And I think for some of you, um, you know, God wanted me to share this message because you can relate to that. Maybe you're not, maybe you haven't come back to the intimacy and you know there's a greater intimacy um, that's available that you once tasted of, but something happened. And I feel that this message is God calling you back, beckoning you back for some of you. To that place that you once had. Okay, so. Now there's some things I want to pull from the story. Now that I told you the story. How many of you like story time? Okay, good. Um, that, that we can pull from the story and learn from what David did right. And learn from it, what he did wrong. And apply it to us as presence-based people who make up a presence-based church. So the first one is that, um, that we should desire God's presence. David knew God was good, and he desired his presence. He desired closeness with him. And so that is something we desire. And um, if you're um, maybe new to this whole idea of the presence of God and closeness with the presence of God, you know, I would just encourage you to start out um, at home turning on some worship music. He, remember, he inhabits the praises of his people and just sit there in the quiet and, and just begin to worship either through singing the song or through prayer and say, Holy Spirit, I welcome you to come. Yeah. And, and start to um, get used to what his presence feels like. And what's interesting about his presence is it, it, a lot of times it's soft and gentle and then... And, um, and then other times, you know, he pours out more. And it's like this intensity, almost like this heaviness. Sometimes it's, it's so intense and so uh, powerful that your, your body will sort of respond. Your physical being will kind of respond. I know sometimes when I personally, when I feel the Holy Spirit's presence strong, it'll be like this gush of um, energy in my chest and almost like a flutter um, and then it like kind of surged through my body and it's like, whoa, you know, and, and, um, manifestations are, are come from, you know, the Holy Spirit's power interacting with our, you know, physical bodies and our physical bodies are like, what do we do with this? This is so amazing. And so sometimes our bodies will do things and, okay, so. The next thing is God is deserving of exuberant worship. We certainly can learn that from David, right? And, and he is honored. David is honored in the Bible as one who um, knew God's presence and, and knew how to worship. Um, David recognized that God responds to the praises of his people with his presence. 
And so we can, as a presence-based church, worship exuberantly and worship individually at home exuberantly too. <laughs> Maybe that's easier to worship exuberantly at home. Yeah. <laughs> um, third, God blesses those who are close to his presence. Right? The, wherever the ark was, that household would be blessed. And so being close to his presence uh, means blessing is surrounding you. And four, we should prepare for God's presence. Um, you know, the second time around, David prepared for God's presence. And um, that's an important thing, you know. It's a very amazing thing that God would bring his presence so close to us, right? And so if we can take some time ahead of time, maybe before you come here on a Sunday morning, just to examine your heart um, and, and say, Lord, you know, what, what do you want to say to me? Maybe there's something you need to repent of. Maybe you need to forgive somebody to prepare yourself for the presence of God. Um, um, and then we do that as a as a congreg as a church as a presence based church by asking him what he wants to do ahead of time we prepare for that number 5 obey god's instructions you know <laughs> god is to be obeyed his holiness deserves and actually demands our obedience and um so we can live and worship in ways that honor him. And you know, our personal holiness is important to God. Your personal holiness is important to God. Yes. Yes. Because our personal holiness um, aligns us up and allows us to be closer to him. Yes. That's like what's on our end of it. You know, now we are saved by grace and it's his gift that cleanses us. But then we get to choose to live holy. Yes. And we can grow in holiness. And that's all part of maturity and maturing in, in the Lord. In Psalm 15, 1 and 2, it says, Who may worship in your sanctuary? Who may enter your presence? Those who lead blameless lives and wow. do what is right. Speaking the truth from sincere hearts. And then in Ephesians 4.30, it says, Don't grieve God. This is the message version. Don't grieve God. Don't break his heart. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you is the most intimate part of your life. Wow. Making you fit for himself. Wow. Don't take such a gift for granted. Yeah. And then it says, Make a clean break with all cutting, backbiting, and profane talk. Be gentle with one another, sensitive. Forgive one another as quickly and as thoroughly as God in Christ forgave you. And actually, all of Ephesians 4 gives lots of um, guidelines and things of how to, to live holy. But um, the Holy Spirit living in us is the most intimate part of our life. And so we shouldn't take it for granted. And we don't want to break God's heart. Um, and then number six. When something confusing happens, <laughs> seek God. It's so good. so good. Work it out. You know, learn what you didn't know about God before. Mm -hmm. Seek godly counsel. Study the scriptures. Um, and allow him to redefine your understanding 
of how he acts, of, of what he's called you to do or how he's called you to act or how he wants you to view something. Let him redefine that. I like this quote from Bill Johnson. It says, he says, God will not violate his word, but he doesn't seem to mind violating our understanding of his word. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, it's all a process. We don't know everything right from the beginning. Okay. We have to remain teachable. And then lastly, if you are... Oops, let's get it up there. Go back to God's presence like David did. If you're separated, <clears throat> go back to his presence, back to the closeness and intimacy with God. And then move forward with him in your newfound understanding that you gain from step six. <laughs> like David, come back and carry God's presence again. So that's what I have for you this morning. I'm going to invite Cameron to come up and close it out. Great. Let's give her a big hand. Yeah. In fact, <clears throat> awesome, awesome job. Actually, um, uh, you know, you said something that that just sparked an incredible revelation that I understand Scripture in a whole new way. Seriously. Um, and I'm going to explain it to you real quickly. <laughs> in this closing. Wow, i got plenty of time. It's only 10 after. <laughs> no, so I, I love what Marilee talked about, uh, that, that we are a presence-based church. And the one thing that she said was that um, in, in describing that story of King David and Uzzah, she said... Uh, you know, you may not have had a friend who died seeking God's presence. And it just clicked to me and I said, wait a minute. Actually, you have. You've had a friend die for your sake in seeking God's presence. And that friend was Jesus. And I just saw how Uzzah represents Jesus Christ. Because they were trying to bring the ark into Jerusalem, but they were doing it uh, uh, the wrong way. And I just saw that how that, that represented the old covenant. And then, yeah, and the, and the ark abided in Obed-Edom's house for three months. And this may be stretching it a bit, but Jesus rested in the grave for three days and then was brought back. And when David brought back the ark, there was a whole different form of worship. He did bring it the proper way according to the law. In other words, um, uh, Uzzah's death was not in vain. I always thought, well, why did he die? But Uzzah's death was not in vain when he reached out this, to, to, and, he, and he touched God's presence with his very body and died. I thought, wow, this just so represents, like I can't wait to preach this. <laughs> it so represents Jesus Christ bearing God's wrath and anger for all of the errors that we've made, but doing it for the purpose of enabling us to have access 
to the Holy of Holies. And for that brief time when David restored, uh, brought back the ark and, and had the ark of uh, the tabernacle of David, in which there was no veil, every person could come and worship and see the ark. And it was just a, just a little window, and, and, and it's, very, it's, all, it's well known that that was a foreshadowing of the new covenant that was fulfilled in Christ. That because Jesus died on the cross, Merrily mentioned this as well, that when he died on the cross, the veil in the temple that was later constructed after David, uh, David's time, and they rebuilt a temple, or they built a temple, and it was, the ark was separated. That was, that was rent, that was torn from the top to the bottom. Why? Because now every man, woman, and child is to have access to God's presence. So you have a friend that died. And it, that friend's name is Jesus. And he died so that you could have unlimited access to God's presence. And in that presence, be transformed. In that presence, have joy. In that presence, have life. But we do have to do, we do have to do the things that Marilee said. We have to seek his presence. I jotted some of them down. <clears throat> God deserves it. God blesses, blesses those who seek him. We need to prepare for the, his presence. And the best prepa- preparation is obedience, that we do things according to God's pattern. We need to seek God, even if it seems confusing. And we need to continually go back to God's presence. Could you just stand up right now? We're going to close in prayer. <clears throat> So there's many things in life that's, that come between us and the experience of God's presence. And don't, don't limit your experience of God's presence to how someone else experienced. Mary Lisa, she feels this, this mystical or, or, or strange power in her body. And, and I sometimes feel that, but sometimes I just have a really good idea. <laughs> and I go, wow, that was such a good idea. Uh, that must be God. Uh, uh, really, Bill Johnson said that's his manifestation. If you know Bill Johnson, he said he, he doesn't shake or fall down. He just has these words of knowledge. So that's a legitimate manifestation of God's presence, a word of wisdom. You may, you may get weak in the knees. Uh, you may get excited. You actually may cry. You may laugh. You may just feel peace. God's presence takes away shame and guilt. All of these things are available. Just, just, let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we ask that your presence would be revealed to each and every person here. Uzzah did not die in vain. It led to a new season of New worship, a new access, unprecedented access for the people of Israel. Jesus, you did not die in vain. Your death led to...